Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. Uh, Rob Howe here on the mic. Uh, it's just going to be me today. No guest, uh, but I'm going to try to keep it as entertaining as possible and try out a couple of new things here to close out 2017. Uh, it's a little bit different, so definitely let me know what you think about this format. I'm testing out a few new formats that we're going to explore next year to try to deliver more value for you and then challenge me a little bit on the podcast production side of things. So uh, your feedback always is super important, so be sure to let me know. Uh, just to start, I wanted to cover a few things uh, to recap the last year. If you've been listening since the beginning, uh, well, one, you know how far we've come, but uh, you know that I launched this podcast in January of 2016. Uh, we did 11 episodes through May 2016. I didn't do any more podcasts after that, uh, mostly because I was unsuccessful in managing my own time. But uh, in January of this year, 2017, I decided I was going to start back up again uh, and then challenge myself to recommit and step my game up and get new guests uh, and really build out the podcast. So... Uh, we started this year, we published our first episode with Emily Emblem of Pump Peels, uh, that's episode 12, on February 13th, uh, and then, since then, we published 59 interviews, and this will be the 60th podcast published in 11 months, so, uh, wow, um, I'm tired, <laughs> uh, no, but it's been really great, I'm, I'm actually so grateful to all my guests for their time willingness to share their stories with the community and overcome sometimes really significant scheduling difficulties or rescheduling for one reason or another. You guys are all rock stars and I'm super, super happy that I know you. Um, and, you know, really taking a chance on me, especially early on when, you know, this was really just an idea. Uh, you guys have turned it into a real thing and I'm super grateful for that. Uh, on top of that, uh, I've also recorded about 25 other interviews that I've yet to publish with some big names as well. So I'm really excited to release those next year. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of a creative refresher on some of the elements of Diabetics Doing Things, bring on some sponsors. Uh, again, all in an effort to deliver you guys the most value that we can. So, uh, you know, we're really taking a step forward. We've uh, we've done a lot so far. We want to continue to do more. Uh, and, you know, you guys sharing and listening to the podcast uh, is, has been a huge driver for us in terms of saying, hey, do we want to keep doing this? Is this still something that uh, can bring value? And yeah, so I'm happy to say that it is. Um, something that struck me about halfway through this year um, was the dramatic amount of years with type one years living with type one diabetes that we had on the podcast. Wow, I'm just everywhere today. Um, 
So the amount of experience, valuable lessons, funny stories, and then honest, vulnerable sharing was really great. But I'm pleased to announce now uh, that we have over 1,000 years of living with type 1 diabetes on this podcast. Uh, All together, you know, we, uh, you know, whether you've had diabetes for one year, three years, or 57 years, as one of our guests has, uh, you know, you contribute to that amount. And obviously, that's going to continue to increase every year. But um, we've all worked really hard for those 1,000 years, and I'm really grateful to have shared a short time of those uh, with you guys. So uh, I can't promise that we'll get to 10,000. Uh, but uh, we definitely have a thousand. We're going to keep going forward with that. So uh, really proud of that number. Uh, we're fast approaching uh, my 13th anniversary of my own diagnosis, uh, or my diversary, as it's called. Uh, so to commemorate that, uh, wow, uh, it's not even a remotely believable transition. Um, honestly, don't know if this has anything to do with my diversary, but I'm going to do my best to make it stick. Um, in honor of my diversity, I'm going to answer some of your most popular questions that I get on social media or email. So if you're ever wondering, ah, gosh, does Rob actually uh, you know, get these questions? Am I the only one that asked this? Uh, is he ever going to write me back or respond to my comment? Yes, I will. Um, and then I'm going to try to do that uh, sort of a general uh, addressing of some of those questions today. So uh, with that, let's just dive right into it. Uh, I think the most popular question that I get revolves around type 1 diabetes and exercise. Um, Since I was an athlete, both um, recreationally and then professionally on the basketball side of things, um, there's so many things that uh, can get in the way of exercise when you have type 1. Uh, Really, even if you don't have type 1, I think that's the biggest thing. There's so many excuses that you can use to not go to the gym, to not go for a run. Uh, especially when you've been doing it for a while and you're sore or you're tired or whatever the case may be. But if you're a type 1, you throw a low blood sugar or a high blood sugar in there either before, during, or after a workout, and you know, you're going to get a little bit of that mental fatigue. Um, so the biggest thing that I try to do is to note and record in, in like a journal uh, what how your body responds to different types of exercise. I'm a huge believer in listen to your body uh, because if, if you get really plugged into it, it's going to help you whether that's you know diabetes related or fitness related or whatever whatever the case may be. But you're going to know how your body responds to different exercises. So, uh, for example, my body, uh, when I do 30 minutes of yoga, uh, even if it's an intense sort of flow, my body responds differently than when I go play 30 minutes of basketball or I go for a run or I do a high-intensity training or a heavy weightlifting session. Um, Those are typically the types of exercise that I do. They span from um, heavy weightlifting, high-intensity training, um, like HIIT workouts, yoga, uh, and the occasional run, uh, and then basketball. So if I know how I'm going to respond to each of those, I have a starting blood sugar, and I always test before I go to the gym, uh, just really for knowledge. I just want to know where I stand, uh, or where I'm when I'm wearing a CGM. I just have it right there on my phone, so um, that really makes it a lot easier. But I think the main thing is to always be prepared. So if you are going to the gym and you know you're going to do a workout that causes your blood sugar to dip or go lower, um, I would always have a snack or in you know a Gatorade or have access to some type of sugar that you can get in your system. On the other side of things, if you're doing a uh, you know a high stress, high intensity type workout, 
Uh, you might have to treat a little bit of uh, bolus insulin before that workout just to make sure that you don't spike up too high when those cortisol levels and your body starts producing glucose because of the stress uh, or whatever the case may be. I know when uh, when I do a high intensity style workout with a lot of plyometrics or you know a lot of really quick stuff or a basketball workout where I'm just going to get really mad and run up and down the court for an hour and a half, I give myself a little bit of insulin ahead of time just so that I can settle in and know and have confidence that I'm not going to uh, spike up really high. Uh, because the an, uh, unintended consequences of spiking high when I'm playing basketball is that I just am no good. I can't hit a shot for to save my life. So um, I really try to keep my blood sugar right in that 130 to 160 range when I'm playing ball. That way I don't uh, drop too low. Okay, so that's my uh, T1D and exercise. Always, here's your checklist. Always test before you go. Make sure that you know what how your body's going to respond to whatever type of exercise you're doing. And if you need treatment uh, beforehand, know what you're going in, getting into um, and have a, a backup in your bag. And then, you know, always record the results. Uh, we can't learn anything uh, unless we track it and you are what you measure. So be sure to keep a little journal or just make a mental note or whatever the case may be. Uh, semi-related to uh, exercise, another question that I get uh, is, do I still play recreational basketball? Yes, I do. I, uh, I'm actually in a league uh, right now. Uh, I came off my ankle surgery at the end of 2016, um, rehabbed a lot in 2017, and uh, much to my chagrin, took a lot longer than I had anticipated to get back to where I wanted to be, but now I'm feeling almost back 100%. Uh, so... Uh, starting this spring will be my second basketball league since my surgery. Uh, so I'm still playing, still having a blast, plan on doing that for at least another 10 years, hopefully. So knock on wood that I can make sure to keep myself in good enough shape to make that happen. Uh, but that's where I'm at with, uh, with basketball. The next question is a whole 30 related. Uh, I've done about eight whole thirties, um, in the last few years. It's probably my favorite, um, I don't. I hesitate to say diet, but uh, just way of looking at food and nutrition. Um, it's very strict, and I just frankly lack the discipline to do it all the time. Uh, more than on like a thirty-day, sometimes a little bit forty-five-day uh, increments, two or three times a year. Um, but I pretty much eighty twenty my life whole thirty uh, versus anything else. And um, a question I get around whole thirty is, how do I treat my lows on uh, on a whole thirty? Um, this is a tough one because there aren't that many options when you're on a Whole30 for, you know, a quick, if you're on the go, grab a juice or a Gatorade or something like that. Those all have sugar added, so you're not able to do that. But there are some Whole30 approved juices. Um, Trader Joe's has a great orange juice that's 100% juice, doesn't have any sugar added. Uh, there's an apple juice that's at most supermarkets that's in this big glass tub, uh, and it doesn't have any sugar added, and those are great for treating those hypos. Uh, on a whole 30 without having to uh, to break it. Uh, the only other option I usually use is maybe a Lara bar or a couple of uh, Granny Smith apples, uh, depending on how low and how much you need to spike back up. But yeah, compliant juice, that's the best way. And if you have any other whole 30 questions, episode seven of the podcast is with whole 30 founder, co-founder Melissa Hartwig, um, who was, that's actually our most popular podcast episode ever. And she has been a super big supporter of diabetics doing things, and she answers a lot of Whole30 and type 1 diabetes questions uh, on that episode, so be sure to check that out. 
the next one, how do I treat my diabetes? What technology do I use? Um, so when I was diagnosed, I was on pens uh, for my first few years. And then um, in 2009, I made the switch to a pump. So I guess I'm in just finishing up year eight with my pumps. Um, so I have a Medtronic Minimed Revel. Uh, and I use Humalog uh, by Lily Insulin uh, in that in that pump. Um, I love my pump. I, I fought it for a long time um, because it wasn't sexy, and I didn't want something that was going to be plugged into me, or I thought I didn't. Um, and so, but my doctor was like, "No, no, no, this is this is great. You can snack. You can treat highs uh, really easily." Um, and I couldn't agree more. Um, my my life with diabetes changed significantly for the better. When I got a pump, I realized it's not for everyone. Um, and, you know, my pump technology now as it stands is a few years out of date. But um, I'm really excited to get a new pump, uh, the Medtronic 670G hybrid closed loop system, um, complete with the continuous glucose monitor and auto mode. Uh, I should have that sometime in Q1 2018. Knock on wood for me again. Uh, really excited to get that. Uh, I also use a one-drop glucometer, uh, so a, my test kit is uh, by OneDrop. I really love their tester. It's super modern looking and, and cool. Uh, whenever I have lunch with other diabetics, um, they see it and they're like, oh, wow, that's very neat. I've never seen that before. It's got a cool case. Uh, and they're just a great company. Um, they are a prescription-free service uh, for test strips, so they will actually send you your test strips every month for a you know small percent or small fee um, with no copays, no pharmacies, no nothing like that, and as many as you need. Uh, so if you need 300 test strips in a month, if you're that type of tester, uh, they have a, a plan for you. So you can check them out at onedrop.today. In terms of CGMs, uh, I did try a CGM for the first time in 2017. Uh, I guess technically for the second time, but we won't count my 2010 journey uh, with a Guardian sensor way back. Um, but I use a Dexcom G5 sensor. Uh, I love it. It's, uh, it gave me a, a new turnover, a new leaf for me really with, uh, looking at my numbers. I wasn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and I was super excited to find that it was so easy to use and integrate with my phone and my Apple watch. Um, I played basketball with it on for the first time and got to see my numbers throughout a basketball game, which made me super happy. Um, and it was, it was just very cool, um, and I'm very excited to get the new Guardian sensor uh, with my new Medtronic pump. Uh, but yeah, Dexcom could not recommend it enough. Um, if, you, uh, you know, if you're looking to take the jump into that, uh, the continuous glucose monitor world. I know there are other uh, CGMs that are out there right now. Uh, Freestyle Libre, I believe, is one as well. I've never used it, but I see great things, and I think it has a free trial program as well. So if you're curious about CGM, uh, there are a lot of options out there for you, uh, and I couldn't recommend at least trying it. There's really nothing to lose. Okay, uh, do I have any other chronic diseases besides type 1? I actually do. Um, that is a question that I don't get too often, but I've been getting it a little bit more lately uh, in some other discussions that I'm having online, but I have hypothyroidism, and I was diagnosed with that in 2009. I was like all tired all the time, and I felt like I was in really good shape, but for some reason just like was always tired. Um, and so I take um, basically a once a day uh, oral medication for that, um, and that kind of keeps me keeps me good with my hypothyroidism. But yes, uh, my endo told me at the time. Not sure if this is true, but she said that you know a lot of 
T1Ds are susceptible to thyroid uh, thyroid disorders, height, whether hypo or hyper, um, and that they often run uh, side by side. So that was pretty common. Um, outside of that other medication that I take for, um, for my hypothyroidism, what vitamins and supplements do I take on a regular basis? Okay, good question. Um, I want to I wanna preface this with it changes kind of all the time. Uh, I'm a little bit of an experimenter with, um, with things that are available. I like to read, um, you know, who, who are all these scientists that are out here looking at the cutting edge of supplements, trying to maximize human performance, and life extension has been something that I've discovered here in 2017 that I've been really interested in. Um, so a lot of these are based on recommendations from researchers and doctors who are looking to improve human performance or extend the, uh, the lifespan of humans. And the, the things that they take and recommend are based on that. So uh, yeah, Trader Joe's fish oil. I take that just for like skin and hair health. Um, <laughs> they're giant fish oil uh, tabs and they're relatively cheap. So I like those. Um, chelated magnesium threonate. So I'll say that again, chelated magnesium threonate. Uh, I take that at night for brain function and muscle recovery. Um, it does both, I guess. I, I, can t- I can really tell the difference, uh, especially when I'm working out um, heavily, uh, that I can sort of recover faster and bounce back faster if I'm taking that chelated magnesium threonate. There's a lot of different kinds of magnesium. Um, so be sure you know which one you're taking. Uh, and obviously, like if you're going to get any of these supplements and you're worried about it, be sure to consult with your doctor. I'm not a doctor. Uh, so uh, just make sure that you are being safe with these. None of these have uh, I've seen significant increases in performance or side effects from any of them. But uh, that doesn't mean that uh, you shouldn't talk to your doctor. Uh, I'm vitamin D deficient. So I take vitamin D, um, 5,000 international units per day. Uh, and then later in the year, about uh, about at the beginning of Q4, I was reading about uh, a couple different things in terms of insulin absorption, um, and there were a lot of doctors who attribute better insulin absorption over your life to fighting off other chronic illnesses like heart disease, cancer, uh, brain degeneration diseases like Alzheimer's or and stroke. So um, I was like, wow, well, you know, Insulin absorption will help me from a T1D perspective, you know, always trying to maximize, uh, you know, our ability to absorb that insulin. So I take berberin, B-E-R-B-E-R-I-N-E for insulin absorption, and I also take alpha lipoic acid for insulin absorption. Those two, I can actually see like relatively quickly, uh, once I take it for two or three days, I could see that I was uh, absorbing insulin faster in some cases. Uh, And then my body kind of got used to it after a little while, but I definitely take those. Um, if you're looking for recommendations on some of these supplements or like, you know, where does Rob get all this information? Uh, Dr. Peter Atia, A-T-T-I-A, is a great uh, resource for that. He has some great recommendations and research for other life extension style supplements. And um, again, what I find interesting is that a lot of these researchers are finding insulin absorption as a key attribute in fighting off chronic illness. Um, 
especially as you age. And I think there's there's something to be said about, you know, being conscious of how much insulin you're taking, how much you're putting in your body, uh, making sure that you maximize that and, and use it efficiency, efficiently. Um, there's a great interview uh, with Dr. Atia on Tim Ferriss's podcast. So just search uh, Tim Ferriss, P, uh, Peter Atia, so A-T-T-I-A, Tim Ferriss, two R's, two S's. Um, big fan of Tim Ferriss's podcast, and uh, it's a great interview with uh, Dr. Peter Atia. Okay, another uh, another question that I've been getting intermittently uh, throughout this sort of podcast journey is uh, thoughts of the use of the word diabetic in diabetics doing things. Uh, I find this question to be a little strange, uh, mostly because it hadn't occurred to me until someone mentioned it early on, um, but now it's come up a few times, that someone would feel negatively about the term diabetic or consider it derogatory. Um, I think that all comes in terms of your interpretation of it and your relationship with the word. I think any decision or labeling of a term out of fear, uh, is a mistake. Really any decision made out of fear, uh, is a, is a mistake in my mind. I think if we are motivated by fear, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. I've always viewed the term diabetic as more of a fact, uh, less of a label, we, uh, so people with diabetes, have diabetes and are thus diabetics in certain uses of the context. Uh, do I like the terms T1D or people with diabetes? Sure, I, and I often use them, uh, but I don't rank them in terms of better or worse. And I don't think there's a reason to manage by exception uh, and acquiesce to those who would maybe use, like the word to not be used. Uh, and I honest, honestly really do think if you're caught up on the labels, you're probably missing the point. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to make those decisions out of fear. Um, you know, a lot of what we do here on the podcast and Diabetics Doing Things, even the hoodies, uh, we're pushing out empowerment and confidence. Uh, and I think, you know, getting hung up on the word diabetic, positive or negative, um, you know, I think it's a trap. So, uh, again... Don't get caught up on the labels. Uh, we are diabetics. We are people with diabetes. We are T1Ds, uh, and we're in it together. And I think we need to be more confident, not less confident, about uh, who we are uh, going forward. Uh, another thing people have been asking me a little bit more lately is, uh, what's next for diabetics doing things, and uh, what kind of things are we working on? So for 2018, uh, I'm working to have more face-to-face -face interactions with the T1D community. Uh, you guys have heard my voice a lot. You guys seen some uh, photos on Instagram, but I rarely get to touch the different groups of you guys uh, throughout the country. So I'm going to be speaking at a few Type 1 Nation events with JDRF uh, throughout the country uh, throughout 2018, starting with the JDRF Dallas Type 1 Nation Summit on January 28th uh, here in Dallas. So uh, if you are in Dallas and listening to this, uh, I would love to see you there. Uh, I'm also going to have a few of the uh, notable podcast guests, um, Laura Pavlakovich, Lauren Bongiorno, Libby Russell, um, Gretchen Audi, and Kira Richards will also all be there at the summit. So I'm really excited to A, meet them in person and then get to uh, interact with everyone at the Type 1 Nation Summit. So January 28th, Type 1 Nation Summit here in Dallas. Uh, that's going to be the kickoff of all the face-to-face -face interactions uh, with the T1D community for the year. Uh, I'm also working on a mini documentary. Uh, a documentary is a loose, uh, a loose term there that will document some of the different insulin and treatment options uh, that are out there and my results using them. 
And this was based on a conversation that I had with Medtronic um, where they told me that their number one customer complaint is how expensive diabetes management is. Um, and that sort of runs the gamut, whether you're a Medtronic or a Dexcom or you uh, an Omnipod or, or whatever it is, type 1 diabetes is expensive. Um, I quit my job, uh, my old job, at the beginning of 2017, um, and I stepped out into the brave unknown um, with no, no plan, really, for insurance until I was making enough money to afford it. So... Um, I, a lot for a long time I let that decision of hey I don't I have all this unknown out here insurance wise keep me from starting my businesses so uh, you know and I didn't know what was available to me over the counter so in, in some discussions with a few friends and a few industry people um, I've I, I, w- I want to try and I want to I want to create awareness about the treatment options that are available over the counter uh, without insurance, uh, and so that you can live uh, live a life with T1D on a budget. Uh, so for, if people have lost a job, lost insurance, or are starting new companies and concerned about healthcare costs, um, I'm going to do 30 days on the over-the-counter treatment options and document my results and track that with a CGM as well. So um, hopefully be able to give you uh, you know a little bit of insight of what it's like and what's available to you because I didn't know. Um, and I think it'd be really interesting. Um, I'm also going to do a counterpoint on that um, on that documentary when I get the Medtronic 670G to talk about the latest and greatest technology and its impact on day-to-day life. So um, I'll basically go from one end of the spectrum to the other um, and get to talk about the pros and cons of both. Um, I'm also working on my first book for Diabetics Doing Things. Uh, and then once we get all our nonprofit paperwork in order, uh, which, you know, it's taking a little bit of time, um, we're going to start fundraising so that we can provide scholarships for diabetics who want to do things. And I think that's, you know, something uh, that I really have a strong passion for. I know there, I know there are tons of type 1s out there who want to uh, accomplish their dreams and their goals, but they just maybe need um, some financial support or some confidence or, uh, you know, some assistance in the right direction and some encouragement. And I want Diabetics Doing Things to be able to provide that for them in the future. So if you're thinking, hey, what is, where is Diabetics Doing Things going? Uh, that's what I want it to be. I want it to be a resource for type ones who want to do things. Okay, so that's a pretty short and sweet version uh, of this podcast. I'm going to try some of these periodically uh, in 2018 just to give you a look behind the scenes uh, and to give your questions a bigger platform. I think that there's plenty of room for discussion um, on your you know, most pressing issues or just your musings and thoughts. So please keep sending me those. Uh, I'm looking forward to a kick-ass 2018 with all of you. and I can't wait to hear all the things that you do. So this is me, this is Rob Howe, signing off. See you all in 2018.